This is an AMI podcast. The human capacity for burden is like bamboo, far more flexible than you'd ever believe at first glance. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast where we talk all things audiobooks on a weekly basis. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ramia Amuddin here with Nasreen Abdel Majid, and we are going to get into a brand new month. I don't know if you thought I would finish the sentence that way, but it is a brand new month. First episode for May and the quotes we're featuring, you know, this was inspired by another thought, inspired by another thought, inspired by another thought. But coming back around, um, I went with quotes for resilience through the month of May. So this particular one that we started off with is by Jody Picoult from My Sister's Keeper, which uh, to me now this book feels like a classic. I'm not sure if it falls under that generally, but if you haven't read it, um, absolute emotional roller coaster and so many quotable moments from the book. But it does, not just this quote, but this whole book talks about resilience, um, various characters going through their lives, their stories, their pains, their things that they wanted to keep and be but couldn't and wouldn't at some point, uh, I think would be accurate to say as well. Just a lot, a lot. I'm just throwing out different feelings and vibes out there. But there was so much to this book. And I thought when I ran into this quote, wow, yeah, it encompasses it. And resilience can cover, Nisreen, I'm sure that, that you can also nod to this. Resilience, that word, that concept can cover so much And for so many of us, it can look very, very different. And that's why the the bulk of what you'll hear with these quotes and with the ways that we're starting off the shows can feel different from week to week because resilience comes in so many forms. Am I right? Absolutely. So let's get to our... CELA homepage at a glance, celalibrary.ca, the Center for Equitable Library Access, featuring three titles almost at the very top. Uh, and the three that are up there right now are Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. This is a general fiction category. The next one up there is Her Hidden Genius by Marie Benedict, historical fiction for this one. And the last one is Sorry, not sorry. And this is not spelt like the Demi Lovato song, one of my favorites. Uh, It is spelt like sorry, the clothing from South Asian, South Indian culture, S-A-R-I. Sorry, not sorry by Sonia Singh. And this is a romance. I'm already hearing some whispers of impressions of this book. So I'm very curious about getting to it later on in the month. But those are the three featured titles. We are going to have more Sila talk later in the show. So let's move now to what's trending, Nazreen. Ramia, what's been trending all week is May the 4th be with you. So Star Wars Day was on May the 4th. And we continue this trend because audiobooks.com tweeted out new and upcoming audiobooks in the Star Wars universe, starting with The Star Wars Convergence by Zoraida Cordova, Star Wars The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revi, Star Wars Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher, 
Star Wars Brotherhood by Mike Shen. And the last one I'll mention is The Wedges Gamble Star Wars Legends by Michael Stackpole. And you can check out the rest of the books on audiobooks.com. Other than the movies, you can celebrate by getting into the books, right? So here are two options that can work well with you. So either check out any of the books that came out before 2010 or read some of the new content. If you're looking for classic books, you might want to check out the Darth Bane novel trilogy or the Knights of the Old Republic comic series. If you're looking for newer content in 2015, a new Darth Vader comic series was released, or you can also look at the Master and Apprentice novel. Reality is, Remya, most of the books have unseen scenes from the movies because they go more in depth. Like they have much more descriptions to it. They tell more of a story. And that's why a lot of people prefer the books rather than the movies. Yeah, of course, books come first. Uh, when we're talking super fans, sometimes there's a divide between the the movie franchise and the series, uh, the literary series, of course. But I mean, I just kind of love that May the 4th is this huge, gigantic deal. Um, <laughs> it is. It's fun and awesome that there's a time of the year when all these people can get together, these huge fans, uh, you know, small and big fans alike, can get together and just be funny. I don't know. To me, it's funny because I'm not a fan uh, of the franchise, but be together and and kind of recognize it that way. Now, there, I don't know if there is or isn't a day like this for Harry Potter but I'm missing out if there is. So somebody please let me know. Yeah, if- we have to check it out. I know. I know. But if I have to search it up, it means that it's not as big as May the 4th. True. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I am uh, I think it's funny as well because I'm not a fan of Star Wars either. <laughs> um, but it's kind of cool how the whole community comes together and and is obsessed with this big holiday. I mean, it's a big holiday to them and, and they're celebrating in different ways. Uh, all over the world so they're celebrating it by like making themed parties which is cool um, watching the movies the classics it's it's really it's pretty cool I think it's just unfortunate that I never gave it a chance that's why I'm not a fan I never gave oh, Star that's Wars a, good a point. chance I feel like you really need patience for that that's such a good point because now that you've mentioned it I don't think I've given it a chance either it's just more like knowing that there's a giant fan base, but not really trying to be part of it. Huh. Yeah, well, I never really put that together. We can start now. We could. You think it would be bandwagoners at this point, though? Or you think that the fan base would be happy to yeah, have us? Yeah, we would, though. Oh, okay. We would. Kind of like Toronto Raptors so time. So true. <laughs> kind of like around May the 4th, we, we hop on board and then <laughs> hop right back off in June. Oh, we tried. <laughs> And we have some super fans at AMI. Just want to put that out there. Oh, my gosh. Before when it was in person, and especially when I was new to AMI, uh, the Star Wars talk around this day would just be everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. I feel like people were ready to come in costume but just weren't in it. All right. Thanks, Niz. Continuing to talk audiobooks here on AMI Audiobook Review. Thanks for joining us. Weekly podcast. Check us out on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, we love to share and hear from you as well. If you want to get on the show, we love having community members on. 
So thanks for listening. And we've come to the time where we want to hit pause or play. Let's make it through the list of featured titles that are currently up on the CELA Library homepage, celalibrary.ca. Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. And this is a general fiction. So let's get into the synopsis. A seemingly disparate array of people come into contact with a time traveler who must resist the pull to change the past and the future. The cast includes a British exile on the west coast of Canada in the early 1900s, the author of a best-selling novel about a fictional pandemic who embarks on a galaxy-spanning book tour during the actual outbreak of a pandemic, a resident of a moon colony almost 300 years in the future, and a lonely and a lonely girl who films an old growth fur okay let's try that again and a lonely girl who films an old growth forest and experiences a disruption in the recording blurring the lines between reality and fantasy emily st john mandel's dazzling story follows some grossing characters across space and time as their lives ultimately interconnect. Sea of Tranquility is an examination of the ties that bind us together. So here we go around the table. Pretty quick synopsis for this one. Nazreen, starting with you, pause or play? I don't know. I feel like there's so much going on in the synopsis. I don't find myself pressing play at that point. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one, but I think I'm going to pass. Not it, eh? Fantasy, four characters, all of them kind of confusing. Okay, sounds good. We'll keep moving. Teresa, pause or play? Oh, I think this is a hard one for me too. Um, so I think that I would press play with the caveat that I would just try it out and, <laughs> and see if I, if I really liked it. Um, Fine, I'll just open I, the book. Yeah, <laughs> I'll listen to the first few pages. I really love station 11 that she wrote which yes. is like a bestseller another bestseller and mm-hmm. uh like apocalyptic story and I wonder if you just kind of have to like go with it you know what I mean you just gotta have faith in the author and and just try it out so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna press play on this one okay P- play yeah. With the caveat. Okay. Ish. <laughs> Karen, over to you. Uh, already a fan of the author or? Yeah, I like the author. Um, I have to say this genre is not usually my go-to kind of thing, but I have this running joke with a very good friend of mine about time travel novels. Um, he hates them. So I usually read them just to bug him. And then I tell him all about it. It drives him crazy. So I might push play on this one just, you know, for the fun factor of bugging my friend. Yeah. Just add one to the books, am I right? Okay, so this is Sea of Tranquility. Uh, Check it out for yourself if you wish, celalibrary.ca, right on that front page. This is Emily St. John Mandel, for those of you who want to check it out. And we're going to get right into our CELA talk, girls, because uh, you're here, Teresa Power, the content and access librarian. Karen McKay is the communications manager at CELA Library. And there's a lot of cool things going on. Um, The Fold, which we'll talk about in a second, but we want to start off with some CELA updates and announcements, Karen. 
Yeah, so we have two really interesting things going on. So I think we talked about this the last time we were here. We talked about our expanded delivery options project. And so we've just wrapped up two portions of that, the low cost portable um, little device that you can use to listen to audiobooks, and then a, a different kind of daisy player. And we've just launched our smart speaker portion of the expanded delivery options project. So we've got 150 participants. Some of them are testing the Google devices and some of them are testing Amazon Alexa. And the scope of this phase is, um, it's just to give sort of a sense of what might be possible. So it's not gonna be like a fully featured kind of pilot. We're just sort of learning about the system, about what we can do, what we can't do, how the language piece all works. Um, folks will be able to use Google or Alexa to read their books, to start and stop them, to return to their last position. Um, they can search for a, a selection of our catalog, not our full catalog. But our goal is really to learn about how users are going to interact with this system so that we can work on enhancing capabilities down the road. So we're super grateful for all the people that have signed up to help us with this discovery phase. And we're looking forward to, you know, finding out what we can do in the future, because I think it'd be great to be able to listen to, to books using smart speakers for our users. Yeah, of course. We're glad about this um, this project in general, but also that people are responding to the call out because there are a lot of different ways that people take in their um, accessible books. And so you kind of want to get a scope of how that's going on several different levels. Absolutely. We want to give people as much choice as we possibly can for them to listen to their books in as many ways as possible. Um, yeah. And trying to keep up with technology, right, which is always changing. But I, this is what this part, this particular phase of this project is really exciting to to me personally and to a lot of our our um, users. They, we have huge response. So people are really excited to mm -hmm. hear how this might work. And the yeah. And the user base is expanding because uh, you guys are in Manitoba now. We are. So we've been working on this deal for a while, but we just sort of got the the opportunity to push play literally on this whole thing. So we're onboarding 51 new libraries across the province of Manitoba. So the province is funding the, not only for the libraries, but what's really unique about this agreement is that because of the way libraries are structured in Manitoba, not everybody has a local library that they can access the materials to, so or from rather. And so the province is actually funding for anybody who has a print disability to access SELA services, um, which really levels the playing field in terms of accessibility and gives people who you know, might otherwise really struggle to get access to reading materials and opportunity to use our stuff. So we're super excited. Uh, we've got 51 new libraries coming on and we're hoping to have everybody set up and ready to go so that they can start offering services in the summer, like really soon. So that's great wow. news. And that's, you know, that's a huge population that hasn't been served before. And we're really happy mm -hmm. that they are going to have access. Yeah, so beautiful that it's moving along um, so nicely because we have lots of conversations around, um, you know, the access to books in different remote areas and different geographic locations. And sometimes you wouldn't even think that, you know, a whole province or a whole section of our country uh, just doesn't have the access or, or the, the partnerships, the collaborations haven't been made up until that point. And then you're thinking, oh, my goodness you know, how long, right? Because we're, we're, yeah. the rest of us are uh, privileged to have not just one, but multiple options for things like this. So it's incredible. I'm so happy to hear that. And thanks for updating us. We're going to move along um, to some featured titles because we love getting you and Teresa to talk about uh, some of the books that you're curious about or have read and want to share with us. But these featured titles are from the Festival of Literary Diversity. So before we get into the books, we want to remind people what that is. Karen, do you mind? 
Yeah, happy to. So the festival has been running for a few years now, I think six. Um, and it originally started out as a small local festival, uh, but it had big hopes and dreams. And then when COVID hit, it started to shift online like many other festivals. And now it's really taking on a life of its own. So it runs the first week in May. And this year is running in both as an in-person event and also with um, virtual access. And the goal really is to create opportunities and to amplify the work of authors and writers who might otherwise be overlooked with um, specific goals for ensuring that people of color, uh, women, those with disabilities, um, those from other different marginalized communities or minority groups are given a, a real platform. And so they have a really fantastic lineup of authors, programs, speakers, and they discuss issues related to these communities. So specifically writing and literature, but also accessibility. Uh, and it's really well done. The folks behind the event are, are fantastic. They are hardworking, they're authors themselves. And so they really get it. Uh, and so we've been working with them pretty much since they started to make accessible versions of as many of their uh, works by featured writers or as many of their featured titles available as possible. So um, we'll, we'll put up some links to the ones that we have in our collection and people can, can peruse them, but they've got some big name authors and some really interesting programs. Amazing. Okay, so let's get into the books because we want to get to at least three, hopefully all four. Okay. Um, starting with you, Teresa, with the first pick. Right. So um, my first pick is by an author who I've read before um, and really adore. Uh, so the book that I chose here that's part of the fold is called The Chandler Legacies. And the author is Abdi um, Nazemian. And uh, he's uh, a YA author. And he previously wrote this absolutely amazing, wonderful book called Like a Love Story, which I, I honestly feel like, you know, you should really run out and and read and find some some place and consume. That book is about a group of kids and it's set in 1989 and they're living firsthand through the AIDS epidemic. Uh, the Chandler Legacy is, is a bit different, but uh, there's a lot of similar elements or themes I think in both. Uh, the setting for the Chandler Legacies is 1999 and it's in an exclusive boarding school in Connecticut. And the book focuses on five teens who are part of an exclusive writer's workshop called The Circle. And like, like a love story, we see these groups of kids with an adult who is out, who's gay, uh, form a de facto kind of family. And the Chandler legacies, you know, the relationships, the families, the conflicts of each kid is explored uh, throughout the book. And I think one interesting thing um, is that the school's motto is Veritas Vos Liberabit, the truth will set you free, which I think kind of tells you a bit about, you know, that this book is really a coming of age story uh, where the main characters come to realize um, important things about themselves and their life. One thing I think the author does really well, and perhaps why I kind of enjoy him so much, is he really evokes feelings and sentiments from the time period he's writing in. So mm. like a love story, 1989, you know, we're talking Madonna. He really evokes that that place and time. And he does the same for this. And, you know, like as a kid growing up in the 90s, 19 you know, 1999, I remember it. And this whole idea of, of kids really like coming of age and experiencing these things, um, big profound things of themselves really brings me back to like so many movies that 
I watched at, um, right. in that time period that were like the exact same things, like profound life-changing um, mm-hmm. things where you know, uh, happened or were, you know, you found out about yourself. So um, I really like it for, for that, for tying into a time that, you know, I and no one loves so well. That's so nice because, you know, as you're talking about the the way that it makes you feel, all of us listening are probably like, yeah, this book did that with me or this movie did that with yeah. me because it's just like that stage of life, you know, whatever that stage of life was for you, but th- this coming of age um, stage of life and how that played an impact. And then for someone, an author, to be able to make you reminisce by recreating other stories that way is super powerful that's awesome the second choice from us is praying to the west karen what is this one about so this book is written by omar mumalam he's a award-winning writer and journalist and filmmaker he lives in edmonton and this book's really um, an exploration of the muslim faith so he grew up in a muslim household but he kind of questioned the role of islam in his life And as an adult, he often would criticize what he saw were the harms of organized religion. And he struggled to sort of figure out how the way his heritage defined how others saw him. So he's he's sort of been in struggle with this for for quite some time. And then he becomes a father and that shifts a lot of things for him. So this book is really an exploration of that. So he goes to visit um, 13 different mosques across the Americas. So most of them are in Canada, but he also travels to California and to Brazil And he talks Mm -hmm. with people at these mosques who all sort of provide a different perspective about what it means to be Muslim. So along this journey, he comes to understand that Islam has played a really fascinating role in how the Americas were shaped. Everything from industrialization to the really kind of unique place that Islam holds in politics and political discourses. So it's a very well-researched book and it covers a really broad spectrum of um, perspectives, but it's also quite personal as he kind of unpacks how all of the the heritage and all of the societal expectations around Islam have really impacted his own development and maybe most importantly, how it might impact his children. So I think it's a really interesting book and um, I'm not surprised that The Fold has featured it because it's got a kind of a unique take on uh, being part right. of a marginalized community. Yeah, that's fascinating, especially can appreciate the well-researched part um, to get, you know, people who may not identify with the faith to pick it up, right? Because uh, it's more tackling, you know, geographically and historically and um, and then bringing in, of course, the, the author's own perspectives or stories or struggles. Uh, and I think a mesh of all that is what makes this um, kind of an interesting pick to to, to explore. That's amazing. So Teresa, over to you for the next one, We Too Alone by Jack Wang. Right. I, I don't know if people know, but apparently it's short story month happening right now. So um, this book is quite fitting for that. So this is a, a wonderful collection of short stories by the author Jack Wang. And it's meant to trace the arc and evolution of the Chinese immigrant experience. And the book really captures, or the short stories really capture, you know, hope, pain, and sacrifices of, you know, literally millions who journeyed into, you know, the unknown, basically, to create better lives for themselves. As readers, you know, we go from 1920s Canada, we go to modern day Florida, we go to everywhere in 
between. And, you know, we explore themes of disappointment, alienation, and um, departure. The collection has received many positive reviews, and I think one that really resonates with me, considering the scope of the book, is the positive reviews of how the author is able to really authentically capture all of these voices. So we're talking about here, there, everywhere, all different time periods, um, male, female, uh, Vancouver, Vienna, all, you know, all of it. Uh, what really resonates with the reviews is that the author is really able to, you know, capture all of these different voices, these experiences um, in these different um, time periods as well. So it sounds, you know, uh, wonderful and the scope seems enormous for this book. But, um, you know, the author has done a really good job with capturing that. Wow. I mean, it, it definitely what I was thinking is is that that's a huge project to tackle. Yeah. That's a lot to try to put into one collection. But I think that going back to what it is, which is a collection of short stories, um, it plays nicely to wanting to do that. Uh, you know, you can kind of separate between things, but also put it all together as one big package, which is incredible. And you know what I'm going to say next? We've run out of time. We did three out of four, which is really nice. Thank you so much, both of you. And as always, appreciate starting off the month with you both. Uh, and we will talk to you next month. We can't wait. Have a great week. Sounds great. Thank you. Teresa Power and Karen McKay joining us for our CELA talk that we uh, kick off every month with. You can go to celalibrary.ca for all of these books that we featured today, actually. And we will be back next week. Until then, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.